there's Jesus right there openly in the temple rebuking the religious leader using parables to do so. So last week I mentioned we looked at two of the parables. Today we're going to look at the third parable in this series. So turn to Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at the first two verses to start. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. Let's stop right there. Jesus again is using a story and events. He's telling of events that were commonly known about, commonly accepted about. But he's using this to teach greater spiritual truths. Today's parable uses two main things. You see them? The kingdom of heaven compared to a great wedding feast. So as we look at this story, we need to have a clear understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is and what this great feast would be, if we're going to understand this parable. So let's start with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a real place, both spiritually, which looking at? Oh, huh. And physically, spiritually speaking, the kingdom of heaven is when is God's rule over each of our hearts and lives. It's what we belong to when we have submitted, when we are born again, we, when we submit ourselves to God's authority. We are part spiritually of God's kingdom. Now, those that defy God and his authority and reject the gospel, then are not part of that kingdom, that kingdom of God. So each one of us, everyone here that has been born again, that claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, are part now, when you were saved, part of that kingdom, spiritually speaking. Now, physically speaking, this is also a real, literal place. Now, there's a time where the, the rule of Christ will be here. It's called the millennium period. Many of you maybe are familiar with it. It will come after the time of tribulation. And there will be a physical kingdom of God present. Now, this will it will take place after the tribulation. So once a person becomes a believer, they belong to the kingdom of God, both spiritually and physically in time. Now, the other part was the wedding feast. Let's look at that. It's a little fun, kind of fun to look at. This is what he was comparing this kingdom of heaven to, right? Now, a wedding feast in Jewish society was very possibly one of the biggest events a person would experience as a Jewish person. I don't think it's that much untrue for a Myanmar person or many of us international or Western cultures even. Weddings are one of the biggest things in our lives, right? Let's take a minute and just look at a Jewish wedding and what that would look like because that's what the comparison that Jesus is using. So in a Jewish wedding, we've got to go back. The parents of the betrothed or the engaged couple, if you want to use it, it's not really a completely accurate statement, but the betrothed, they would... They would grow up, they would have a marriage contract, right? It was arranged marriages in this time. And so eventually the bride and groom would meet, perhaps when the first time when a contract was signed between the two families. Now this couple, when this contract was signed, they were actually considered married at this point in Jewish culture. But they would separate until the time of the actual ceremony, the parents, the bride would remain with her parents, and the groom would leave and go back to his home and start preparing for his bride. Now, this could take a while. This could have been years, possibly. 
Now, when everything was all ready, the home was ready, everything was ready, the groom would return to get his bride, and there would be a great ceremony and a great festival. Now, this marriage ceremony would take place, then a wedding banquet would follow, a great feast. Maybe not so uncommon to today, right? We have a big ceremony, and after we had the reception, we call it. So maybe not so uncommon. I don't know. So this wedding banquet was one of the most joyous occasions in Jewish culture. Um, this, this was, I think, bigger than our culture, though, because this, sometimes this would last up to a week in the Jewish culture. So it's a big deal. I mean, the biggest event of one's life, surely. But this feast that Jesus is referring to isn't this, is it? It is. But it wasn't just a wedding feast, was it? It wasn't just a wedding feast. This was a wedding feast for the king's son. So as big as this was, this would have been the biggest deal in this culture maybe in 50 years. I mean, who knows for sure how often does a king's son get married? This was a big, big event that he's speaking of here. The preparation for this banquet or this feast probably would have taken years. The cost would have been incredible. Um, I mean, in the country, in this country, I think some of you kind of understand how big the family bears the cost of the wedding in Myanmar very commonly. And I see the cost and the preparation that goes into this and how important this is and just how much work it goes into. It's amazing what it takes to put on a wedding. But this wasn't just a wedding. Again, this was the king's son. Now, I've been to a lot of Myanmar homes. You know what I see on the wall of most Myanmar homes? wedding picture. You see it in all. I mean, it's beautiful, right? You see the bride and the groom, and wow, you guys got some beautiful dresses, the Myanmar brides. And so I see it. So I think Myanmar has somewhat of a concept as we look at this parable, this analogy of how big of a wedding it is. Now we have a decent understanding, a slight understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is, physical and spiritual, but we also have an idea, an idea of what a Jewish wedding or banquet would look like. So let's continue in verse Three, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. The time has come, this huge wedding, after years of preparation, the table is set, the food is prepared, the entertainment is ready, the music is playing, the candles on the tables are burning. The king is standing ready to welcome the invited guests. Can you get this picture? Huge is probably bigger than any of us have ever seen. The servants have now gone out to get all the invited guests. Now, think about this. And as I thought about this, what if, we, what if in this story we were one of the invited guests, right? We've been invited to weddings, right? Everyone here has been invited to a wedding. I tell you what, if I was invited to this wedding, a king's wedding, I mean, a, you know, in, maybe in Myanmar, it's a, the highest person's son's wedding. You know, in Thailand, they have a king. I would have been ready waiting. I'd have heard that dinner bell. I'd have been running. This would have been exciting. I mean, extremely exciting. This would be the greatest feast that I had probably ever seen in my entire life, and I had been invited. I'd have been so excited. I'd have been waiting for that guy to show up and say, let's go. I'd been just, I'd, I'd have been looking out the window waiting. What an incredible privilege to even be invited to this. If I had received an invitation, I would have prepared beforehand to attend this event. There's a lot of preparation, right, to go to a wedding if you're an invited guest. 
How do each one of you, if you get invited to a wedding, a big wedding, this is a fa- the biggest wedding ever, fanciest wedding, how do you prepare to go to an event like this? If I'm a guy, first thing I got to do, I got to get a haircut, right? I mean, it's kind of normal, right? I, I would get a haircut two days beforehand. Maybe some of you are like, why would you do that? Why would you get a haircut two days beforehand? Because Gownsdans looked at me before and asked me about it. Because when I get a haircut, they get the... Myanmar has the best barbers, by the way. But they get the straight razor and they shave like the back of your neck and around your ears. And I'm really white. So when they do that, it leaves a white outline all the way around my head. Gownsdans saw it one day. He said, what's wrong with you around your head? I was like, that's because I went to the barber, and they shaved all my my hair around there, and so it didn't get no sun for a while, so it's really white. So if I'm going somewhere really nice, I know that I should probably get a haircut like two or three days beforehand and then get out in the sun for a while. Otherwise, I I look really weird because I got this white stripe around my head. So just to – now, as a guy, too, I seen some of you – you would shave, right? You'd get yourself looking good. I would personally – again, this is something personal. I thought this – I would shave the day before. Some of you maybe are like wondering why. Well, I get razor burn and I might nick myself. So if I'm really serious about looking good for this festival and this wedding, I'd actually do it the day before. So in case I got a little cut or razor burn, the next day it wouldn't look so funny, right? I know, it's just kind of, you get to know me a little bit on some of these personal things. Um, I'm sure I would go buy a new shirt, right? And maybe even a tie. My slacks, I can probably get away with that, you know, but I'd probably buy a nice new shirt and wear a tie. Now, if you're a girl, whole different situation, right? I'm sure you'd go out and purchase a new outfit, for sure. And I'm sure you'd go out to the beauty salon and get your hair done and get your nails done. In fact, my wife, she's traveling on Tuesday. So she went beforehand and went to the beauty shop and salon, or saloon, as you depends how you want to pronounce it here, how it's spelt. Um, and get, she gets her hair done because she's traveling, right? So she wants to be ready to go. So a girl would go and get herself all ready. Because this would have been such an honor to receive this invite, right? And I think that we, as being invited, we would show honor by being properly prepared for such an amazing event and opportunity to attend it, right? All of us would. I mean, you would have been looking forward to this, and you had advance notice. You knew this event was coming. So you had time to prepare. Most events. Now, what did we see, though? What happened as we did read that verse? Look at that last part of that verse. What happened? But they all refused to come. That's not what I expected to read. Right? Why would they do this? Now remember, this is an illustration, a parable that Jesus is using to teach us. So remember that, because he is using this illustration to teach each one of us and rebuke the religious leaders. But he's going to teach us a little deeper spiritual truth. So let's look at the king's response in verse 4. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and the fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. Amazing. The king sends more of his servants and informs the invited guests of how awesome this feast was. He gives detail about it to draw them in. I mean, you think about this. The messengers are going out to the homes of these invited guests. And they're telling them, right? They're telling them, in today's terms, maybe you would say it like this. There is the best imported beef from Japan. It has been prepared. It has been imported. It is ready. It has been smoking on the grill for the last 12 hours. It's sitting there ready for you. The meat is 
falling off the bone. There's platters of it lining the tables ready for you guys to come. What do you think, Daniel Gownsen? You ready? I would have been running, right? I've been running to that feast. But you can see the second opportunity is given here, right? You see it's a second opportunity for the people to come to the feast. I think there's something in that. I think you see a little bit, we learn a little bit about the king. You learn a little bit about his heart and the character of this king. After he invited them, he gave them the invitation, he'd went out to get them, then they refused. What did he do? He was even more persistent and sent more servants back out and encouraged them to come to the banquet. I think you learned something about the king right there in the character of who he is. The king had prepared everything that was required for these people to attend. All they had to do was show up and accept the invitation. What would your response be if you were one of these people to this second chance invite? Let's see the people's response in verses 5 and 6. But the guest he had invited ignored them and went on their way, one to his farm. Farm, that's something. Another to a business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. Is this surprising to read? This is an illustration. Some went just about their day and their worldly responsibilities. You know, they go work on the, go work on the farm, go take care of their business. They just ignore the king's generalist, generous and repeated invitation. Just went about the worldly business, right? They got stuff to do. Well, there was others that didn't just turn down the invitation, but they hurled insults at Jesus's mes- or at the king's messenger. They hurled insults, and then probably talking even about the king. Even talking about his son. Then they physically attacked him, the messengers. Even killing some of them. Is anyone starting to see the illustration that's being presented? Starting to see it? We can look in this passages as we look through this and we can know God is the king in this story. And it is God in this story who is hosting this feast or this banquet. The invite, originally, as we see in this, is to the Jewish people. It's to his chosen people. And that's who he's rebuking, these religious leaders. Now, God has sent the servants, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, to invite the people, the Jews, and let them know the time has come for the Messiah, for the wedding feast. Now, I believe the first group of servants are the Old Testament prophets, and the second group, I believe, is Jesus, God is foretelling. It is not only John the Baptist, the apostles, but even Jesus. Um, that he's talking about in this second invite. Now, you can see in this analogy, can you see this even today, though? Can you see, speaking of people today, when people are invited to, by Jesus, when they hear the gospel, they're invited to be part of the kingdom of God, Do you see similar responses? The things of the world just get in the way. Some even hurt the messengers. We just talk about persecuted church, right? So let's continue this story and see the king's response to the refusal of his invitation and also his response to the mocking and killing of his personal servants. Verse 7. 
the king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. Wow. It's apparent the king had enough of these people's rebellion and now has rescinded the offer, obviously, to these particular people at this time. Now, is that hard to take? That's hard to hear, isn't it? There is a point where this invitation was no longer honored. Now many of the servants that he has sent, Jesus has said, enough. They had killed his messengers, his servants. The king had said enough and held these people responsible for their response to the king for refusing the invitation. God has accepted their refusal to come to the wedding feast and held these people responsible for their sinful acts. It's kind of tough to read. This parable, as we're reading this, has the same message as the last two weeks' parables. Notice that? If you remember the last two parables we studied, the message is very similar. Let's continue with verses 8 through 10. And he said to the servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good, bad, alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. This feast was going to take place even if the people that the king originally invited weren't going to come. The king's table was going to be full. This banquet was still going to go on. Now, this is the point in this parable that, guess what? This is good news for all of us, right? You guys see it? This is where we are invited to the feast. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Some of you got that. Clint Eastwood. All right. So God, after the Jews refused to come, sent out different messengers. We see, right? After they refused, he sent out different messengers. Now, these messengers now, I believe, in this parable, this is the disciples, all the way up to us today, to invite others, to offer this invite to everyone, including everyone sitting here today. So who would accept this invitation to this wedding feast? I would. I do. Now, remember earlier, I was telling about getting ready right, for a feast or getting ready for an important engagement or um, whatever. I told you about how I shave and cut my hair and get a shirt. So if we are to accept this invitation, we must be ready. We must be prepared to attend. We must be clothed properly, spiritually, to attend this event. What does that mean? To be clothed properly, spiritually. What does that mean? How do we know what to wear to such an event? How do you know? One way is you could ask, right? The one ask the one that invited you. So a few months ago, I I love picking on Gaunzan. I can I I hope I have always open permission to do that. But Gaunzan came to me and Vicky and invited us to a graduation ceremony, along with Teacher Selvi. And he, I talked to Gaunzan about the event, and so I asked him, what kind of event is this? And he says, well, this is a big event. The minister of education is going to be there. 
This is a very important person. This is a very important VIP guest will be there. So I asked Gaunzan, I was like, wow, so what should I wear to this event, right? Because I, I want to dress properly. I knew when the time was. I knew what was going to take place. What would be honoring to the one that invited me, Gaunzan, and what would be honoring to the guests that were there and how I was dressed and ready for this ceremony? I also asked, should I bring a gift? I mean, what's customary? I don't know. So Gaunzan, he's so gracious. He let me know everything that was needed to attend this ceremony. He just said, you know, wear some nice slacks, wear a nice shirt, and you should probably wear a tie because, you know, do you want to look sharp for this? This is a big event, you know. So, and come at the correct time on time, and everything else there would be provided for you. So I said, oh, now I know how to attend this, how to prepare for this event. So Vicky and I, she wore a nice dress, and her hair was done, and so we went to this ceremony that Gaunzan had invited us to, clothed properly, right? And we, it was so fun. We got to see all the students. We got to see them smile. We got to see Gallanzan smile. I never get enough of that. We saw the hope in the eyes of these young men as they were, you know, they truly had hope after this training. They had hope in their future, what they would do. So it was wonderful. You know what else? I also got to meet that VIP person, that, that minister of education. I got to meet him. I got to shake hands with him and we had a conversation. You know, and I felt comfortable in that situation among all the guests and among the students and the VIPs. And nobody ever looked at me and said, what are you doing here? You don't look like you belong. Nobody ever looked at me that way because I had dressed properly, right? I was prepared to go to this. So what would have happened if I had went to that and I hadn't come with the proper attire, the proper dress, right? Maybe I went there with a Hawaiian shirt and cut off shorts, right? I bet you I'd have got some funny looks, right? What would Gallanzan have said when he went to introduce me as his friend to that VIP? It would have been very strange, right? It would have been very awkward. I, I wouldn't have been prepared to meet these people. And people would have been like, what are you doing here? It looks like as if you don't belong here. Maybe you snuck in for the food through the back door. Wedding crasher, you know? So I say that it's funny, right? But this gets into this next passage of Scripture. This is important. We are to be clothed to correctly to attend the feast. So let's look at verses 11 through 14. But when the king came to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for the wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him out to the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This man was out of place. He came to this feast, but he didn't follow the rules or the customs, or, and he was not prepared to attend this feast. He was not prepared to be in the presence of the king. Why? Because he didn't have the proper covering to be in the presence of the king. He was not clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. That's what this story is about. Jesus is concluding this by saying that many are called, or you could say invited, to the kingdom, but only those that have been chosen and have received Christ will come. What does that mean? I'm going to get into that. I, I just, I, 
as we look at this covering and the chosen, think about that. So let's look at a reminder as we get ready to close here. So those who try to come to this feast, they try to get into the kingdom of heaven without the proper covering, which the covering is the blood of Christ for their sins, they are inadequately clothed and they will be set into outer darkness. That makes sense? Look at some heads. It was kind of mouthful. This is very serious, though. And this statement here that Jesus portrays in this parable, if we are to meet the king, if we are to join the feast, if we are going to be at the banquet, the only way we can be there is if we are clothed in that righteousness that Jesus Christ gives us, that he gave us on that cross to buy our faith in him and accept that gift that he's given us. So we need to know as we look at this, I want you to look at some important things. That it is not because the invited guest could not come to the wedding feast. Right? It is not because the invited guest could not come to the wedding feast, but that they would not come. You see that? Everyone, these people, they had an excuse why they couldn't come, right? Businesses, farms. uh, Those that were invited and refused, they refused because they thought the things of this world were more important. Now, those that, there were those also that were invited and refused, but then there was also some that also persecuted God's messengers. Now, there were some that were invited and accepted, right? This, this guy, he, somehow he showed up, right? This other guy in the end. But he didn't come prepared to meet the king. So we've got three things here. This is tragic. This is sad, right? He actually accepted the invitation and came, but he wasn't prepared. Because he hadn't accepted Jesus Christ. Now, this is pretty typical human nature, I think, to be offered the blessings of God and then refuse because of the temptations of this world come in the way. This is common for all of us. The things of the world get in the way of the blessings that God has for each one of us. It happens all the time. This wedding invitation has been extended, as we've seen in this story, to every person, total strangers, good, bad, and ugly. So last week we read about the two parables. We foc- they focused on. Yeah, we'll turn back. I just want to look at them. So you see, the first one is the parable of the two sons, right? That was the rejection we saw there, and we also saw that how they, the the rewards were switched between the two sons. Then we saw the next one is the parable of the evil farmers. That's the second parable. And we saw in this parable where the other tenants would come and inherit the farm. Then they would then give fruit to the owner. So today's parable is a wedding feast. And it showed that those who you would least expect it from the highways, from every which part of the world, are the ones that are also invited to the feast. That's us. So praise the Lord. Now, There's those of us that are invited, but who will accept? Who is prepared to go to the feast and meet the king? The only way we can do this, if we are going to meet the king, is by having our sins covered, paid for by Jesus Christ. That then closes us in his righteousness, and God sees us that way, and then we have that clothing that would be appropriate to be at that feast and meet the king. So I hope everyone here 
has accepted that invitation to follow Jesus. I hope everyone here has accepted that, that invitation that's been sent out by the different messengers that are out there to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because one day all of us will be joining in this feast, at this banquet. And we will all be there clothed in that righteousness. And now when God comes up to meet us, the king comes up to meet us, just like in this story, to meet his guest, we will have the proper clothing on. Now that clothing again, free to every one of us, provided by Jesus Christ. So I want to end with a quote. I can do a quote. I don't have an interpreter this week. Here's the quote. There are some who have put not... Sorry, let me just restart. There are some who have not put on that righteousness through faith of Christ, but are trying to come in their own righteousness, or by their own efforts, or by their own good works. They'll never make it. When the king makes the examinations of the guest, if you are not clothed in that robe of righteousness... Through the faith of Christ, you will be cast out. But that's just a plain, straight warning of the Lord. That's from Chuck Smith. I quote him a lot. Uh, normally, this is the time, first Sunday of the month, we do communion. I think we're going to wait until next week to do that. Um, just because we're in timing and everything else. And we're going to wait till next week. So this week, um, you know, I, I'll give you one minute on communion. This is a time that we examine ourselves and we look back to see what Jesus has done for us. We examine ourselves. We look forward to see what Jesus is doing for us. So this week, examine yourselves as we get, we'll take communion next week and prepare your hearts to do that. And uh, as uh, we'll have another message uh, next week, uh, more about the persecuted church, and we'll continue that each week until November 3rd, where we have just the whole service dedicated to that. And I think, uh, is it next week? Is it me? I think it's me, right? Next week, doing the persecuted church? Yeah, so I'll be doing that. Can we confirm who's doing the next week after that? We'll confirm that. I didn't want to. <laughs> yes, so we're going to just kind of switch back and forth. Um, today was the big intro, though. So as we go out, Let's go out and remember that we are clothed in that righteousness. It's so important. So if the worship team could head up, we will close up our service with some worship. And uh, head up, guys. And please join me in prayer as the worship team heads up. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these three stories, these three parables you've given us, Lord, that we were able to study these last few weeks, Lord, as we see these different truths of who we are in you, Lord, and that we are invited to join in that feast, Lord, to dine at your table, Lord, and that you are our king, and you are there with open arms to invite us, Lord, because we are now part of that family, Lord. We are one of your children, Lord. We are not just invited guests. We're one of your children at the table, Lord. Just look at it that way, Lord. We are one of your children, Lord. And we are able to do this because of the righteousness, Lord, that we have received through our Lord Jesus Christ and the price that he has paid for each and every one of us, Lord, for our sins, Lord, as you have seen now each one of us, Lord, through his eyes. So, Lord, we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, as we go out this week, Lord, just let us remember who we are in you, that we are your children, Lord, and there is a feast set forth for each one of us, Lord, and that we can go out with confidence and share with others, Lord, that that same feast is available to anyone that would accept that covering of their sin from our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, protect us, Lord, as we go out, as we know we're here in this country, Lord, that we do face persecution, Lord, and we know the laws that are out there in this own country, Lord. So just go out with your messengers here, with your 
missionaries with your children, Lord, and protect everyone as they go out this week. Encourage them to share, Lord, about this wonderful banquet that is set for each one of us, Lord. Lord, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you again for this amazing time of worship, and we thank you for this fellowship. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.